Was that a Chance the Rapper? Okay, mm -hmm. gotcha. You can tell by the cadence. Yeah. Because he only raps <laughs> one way. And welcome in to the Going Down the List podcast. Once again, I'm E.T. Dubs, and I'm here today live with my friend... Mundo. Yes, that's right. It's just us two, and today we're going to see what we can do. Uh, For you. That's right. Uh, it, the rest of the episode, we're just going to be doing an AA rhyme scheme. I hope that's okay with everybody. We're a little, a little more simple for us, you know? Yeah. Rhyming um, is hard. That's right. Uh, you know, you once you get to AB, you got to alternate, and you got to start keeping up with your iambic pentameter, and we're just not able to do that live on the podcast, unfortunately. I still don't know how to do a haiku. <laughs> it's uh, five, seven, five syllables, um, but I don't understand how people so perfectly count their syllables that they're able to do it. Yeah, because some words, there can be two, there can be three. It all, I, feel like it all, I feel like it all depends on your accent, Depending too. on your southern pronunciation. Yeah, everything's a little bit slower. Kind of like molasses just dripping out of mouth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, all the syllables to it. <laughs> so we are here today, um, continuing our severance season one coverage. This is episode four, The UUR, uh, directed by, I'm going to butcher this, Alfie... McArdle and written by Carrie Drake. It premiered on March 4th of 2022. Uh, but I believe today we're going to break the ice with some PEDs. Is PEDs. that right? <clears throat> but yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and the podcast itself is by no means a sports podcast. It's definitely like a talk show, comedy kind of deal. But the host brought up Barry Bonds and just the PED scandal. They didn't even talk about the PED scandal, really. They just mainly talked about uh, Barry Bonds and how he should be in the Hall of Fame and how his record should stand and how uh, he was already great before the PEDs and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at his record, not his record, his uh, stats real quick. So he came in the league at 86. At 21 years old, 113 games, so played most of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, batting average, 223. So, so kind of what you expect. Because his dad was a former player, so you know you have high hopes for him, but mm -hmm. struggled his first season. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at his batting average, 261 the next year, 283, 248, and then... 1990 is age 25 season is when he starts going 301. And then he doesn't drop below 290 until 2005 when he only plays 14 games. Mm. So you believe there's a clear demarcation point? Well, uh, I mean, let's see. Let's, let's look at also at his walks. Because... Oh, yeah. They, he there's, has the record for most walks ever, right? Yes. I mean, there's this cool... It used to be uh, SB Nation. Now I think it's like called Secret Base on YouTube or something like mm -hmm. that. They did a really cool video of uh, how... Like, what would... Uh, would Barry Bonds still be good if he was at bat without a bat? Mm -hmm. Talking about, how, like, how many times... He was walking. They went right. super in depth with it. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty interesting. Basically, yes, he would still be. Right. Uh, yes. Let's see. In 2002, he had 198 walks. Uh, in 2004, he had 232. And he also rocked a 362 batting average. A 609 OBP and 812 slugging. Looking for his home runs that season. What was that? Two thousand four home runs, forty five. Not his most. His most was two thousand one with seventy three. Right. So <sighs> now, maybe not in his case so much. Like maybe he was just that good, and maybe PEDs, PEDs just pushed him just a little bit further, mm -hmm. but. I definitely feel like 
he shouldn't his title should be stripped mm-hmm. and there should be an asterisk asterisk on him mm-hmm. because there's I just never understand the argument of people saying that PEDs don't really help you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. People are saying, yeah, well, he was already hitting the ball. That's, I understand that argument that PEDs don't help with hand-eye coordination. Right. I don't think we're trying to make that point at all mm-hmm. here. If if you or I started taking PEDs, we would not have a 72 home run season. No. Uh, but we're not already professional baseball players. <laughs> we don't have, we don't have those genetics. Right. If me and you start taking it, we'll be able to, I don't like what bench, whatever, 200 pounds or whatever in like four months or whatever. I don't know. Never use PEDs, but that's the thing is you go, you take somebody like, I don't know, Mike Piazza or somebody like that. Right. Or Mark, shoot, even Mark McGuire. Mm-hmm. Where, like, yeah, they were hitting 20 home runs, which is good mm-hmm. when before the steroid era and right. all that, or 30 home runs. Mm-hmm. And then you get into, like, the late 90s when him and Sandy Sosa are having just who, whoever is shooting their asses with the most yeah. chemicals. Cork in the bats. I mean, and I, I think it's the craziest thing for a sport that spent, what, 20, 30 years with an asterisk next to Roger Maris's single season home run record uh, just because of the extension of the season. Mm-hmm. Never, I, it's without question that Barry Bonds has the home run record. To me, that is an insane thing because we know that he broke the rules of the game for a long period of time. Now, uh, do you feel like <laughs> me and you have this visceral reaction to it because we're Braves fans and he took it from Aaron or <laughs> I personally, I just as a fan of the sport and the sports in general, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's unfair. Yeah. Know? Well, it, it's definitely part of it. And I can't say that I can fully separate myself from, I remember, you know, when he was still coming up on Hank Aaron's record and like, I, I remember it was a whole big thing. And, just having a distaste for that because everybody knew already at that point, you know, that he had been roided up forever. I mean, look at his head. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was, a, he was a fairly skinny baseball player early on in his career. More Mel than up than junior shapes. Well, yeah. Plus he played. Okay. Also, this is another thing I wanted to bring up. 2007, 42 years old. How many home runs do you think he hit? 17, 28. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. At 39, he hit 45 home uh, runs. I'm sorry. That's that's yeah. Not and what the game was at that point, it was not taken as seriously, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like Mayberry Bonds did, I don't know, but you don't have like today the players taking that much extra care of their body as you see. Mm-hmm. Like rehabbing during the off season and just putting in that extra work, Hmm. which then you can see potentially somebody at, I don't know, 35, maybe hitting 40 home Um, runs. Oh, you see like Tom Brady, you know, the way he made efforts to care for his body. And wow, he wasn't able to continue playing football until he was 60. Like he might wanted to, (laughs) he still was able to play at a high level until 45 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you're the advancements in sports science, make that maybe more believable today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, certainly not at the time. Yeah, not 20 years ago. No. Uh, it's wild it's come that far. Yeah. And during, and I also watched this uh, documentary on YouTube, which was weird. It was like, the internet was probably listening to me and all that shit, but it was a coincidence that popped up in my feed. FBI on your ass. Exactly. Uh, it was just basically the whole... Uh, breakdown of uh PED use in uh American sports mm-hmm. going from uh football to cycling which is another thing yeah a probably lot of the main community a lot of people don't expect cyclists but no, uh, what was the statistic they use like 99% of them it's a crazy amount and the thing i mean the thing is it's a different kind of dope um yeah and i 
man, I can't remember the name of this book I read in high school. Jim Candy, I want to say it was, but it was about a high school football player who started taking uh, steroids. And the main thing, I feel like this is really the most reading I've done on it, honestly. But he, the main thing was it in, it increases your stamina and mm-hmm. your endurance, which allows you to work out for longer, do more reps, push yourself. Yeah, more. it uh, it increases the production of red blood cells. Right, so uh, it allows your body to carry more oxygen. Exactly, and so in cycling, of course, endurance is a very, very big part of it. So yeah, you, the cyclists aren't bulking up like in football and right. baseball. They've got those slenderman arms. Yeah, but they're just able to bike for fucking. You can right. be able to buy 20 miles yeah. for a whole week in the Tour de France, which makes is, you slightly superhuman. Yeah. Real quick, have you seen their calves after like. No. <laughs> like, dude, those things are like bulging out Nuts. with veins and like just a different color. It's crazy looking. Um, it doesn't look healthy. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, I feel this way about like people who are marathon runners too. I. Wow you may be in good shape. I don't think that it's healthy for your body. Oh, especially not the runners. Put, oh, yeah, God, pushing no. yourself to those extremes consistently. Well, yeah, even, even just twice. running in general is just horrible for your knees. Yes, uh, unless you get some real good shoes. But uh, if our listeners are interested, definitely go out there and uh, look up and do some research on the PED crisis in the late 90s and early 2000s in ba- uh, baseball. Mm-hmm. The U.S. government actually got involved and had uh, con- had congressional hearings. Yeah. Um, that was... I mean, it was a big national news story. In yeah. The early 2000s, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire having to testify in front of Congress. Um, but I guess that's our, our little icebreaker for today. Are you ready to get into the episode? Well, I think I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Uh, and this one, of course, is dedicated to our good friend, the Jigger Bear. Um, so we open the episode with a trigger warning um, that the episode contains uh, images of self-harm. And I I don't know, I kind of wanted to discuss that just because um, without leaping ahead too much and getting into what happens in the episode, did you feel that was a necessary decision to put that warning out there, do you think it was a good decision? Yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of people deal with that right kind of stigma now. I don't say stigma, sorry, let me erase that. Uh, no, no, I, I get that. <laughs> I yeah. understand what you're saying. Uh, that feeling nowadays, so you know, I feel like it's a warranted warning, yeah. Um, and while they have, I wouldn't say it's like extreme imagery, uh, but it's, it's heavily implied, and you yeah. can definitely connect the dots yeah and it would it would conjure a, for somebody who's been through these things it would conjure some unwelcome images yeah. so i yeah i do think a good call um but just a, i just want to discuss that for a second uh we open with heli continuing to read her statement in the break room we see that she had to stay in there the rest of the day and read it 259 times that 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 is brainwashing at that point. Yeah, I, it goes beyond torture, and that's just brainwashing at that point. Honestly, it's kind of surprising. Like, because Mister Milchick walks her out, um, and I, it's amazing, really, that her hair's not like all frazzled and stuff. I reading something two hundred fifty nine times in a row uh, in that short amount of time. Mm. It would def- I feel like it would break most people. Oh, absolutely. Um, but so after Milchik walks her out for the day, uh, she shows her right back up and he takes her right back to the break room to continue. What does she say when she gets into the elevator? Are you serious? Yeah, I think he says like, are you fucking serious or something like that? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. and she sounds defeated too. It's just like, come on. Yeah, shoulder slump as they walk back there. When they get back to the break room and she starts reading again, she starts hearing these kind of muffled voices. Yeah, yeah, this show definitely, it adds in that background uh, chatter. Mm -hmm. It is always unintelligible. Yeah. It's like, I don't say it distracts you, but it almost... It's like unsettling. Yeah, like part part of your 
uh, concentration is going to try and figure out what it's saying. So it's, yeah, it definitely just, it's there to disorientate and they do a good job of that. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, we hear the voices, but there's no way to, like you say, tell what they're saying, where they're coming from, what it means. Uh, we get the intro and we're right back where we left off the last episode. Mark seeing the cell phone ringing in his basement. He picks it up, doesn't doesn't answer the phone, uh, but picks it up off the ground and sees that there have been several calls from blocked numbers. They, they have been they have been blowing this phone up. Yeah, um, and that we are. This was Petey's phone, correct? Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, so we go back into the MDR department real and, quick. Yeah, they. They've developed technology, right, to implant it in your brain and like sever your consciousness, right? right? Mm-hmm. Why do? Why is he still using a flip phone? Maybe it's like a burner. That's... We haven't perfected burner technology by then. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, maybe so. Just it's say. a good question. When when this is set? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we don't really know, do we? Yeah, and I mean. We don't know a whole it, lot about it the It feels universe. a little futuristic, but... Yeah, slightly dystopian, but also familiar to our world. Yeah. Again, the unsettling feeling. Yeah. Not knowing. Yeah. Um, so, back in the MDR department, Bert shows up, Christopher Walken, and Dylan grabs a stapler to use as a weapon. Fucking like, turf war. I love this dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dylan is the best one. Yeah. He's always, uh, you know, bringing jokes and he takes things to 10 uh, when it comes to their ground. Bert has brought in the new handbook totes because he was worried that Irving was going to be distracted from his work while he thought about him. Uh, Irving's overwhelmed with joy about this. They they definitely have the same kind of, is it whimsical, I guess I'm looking for, like this Um, naivety? Naivete. It's it's hard. Is that to, how you say that? I believe so. Naivete. Um, I could be wrong. I have been French. wrong once or twice before in my life <laughs> and on this podcast. Um, but yeah, it's it is kind of hard to put your finger on it. They seem to have the same appreciation for the work they do. Keepers writing. Uh, Keer. 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 Keeper. <laughs> Can you read that part out? Yeah, the handbook. Um, yeah, they just they have this you know sweet connection, and we continue to explore it in this episode because Bird invites mainly Irving, but kind of under the guise of inviting everyone for a tour of O and D. Dylan hard pass <laughs> instantly. Yeah, doesn't want anything to do, uh, and Irving immediately. Like, as soon as Bert walks out, Irving, I guess, just follows his footsteps. Like, well, I, I need to go take this tour. It's ridiculous we haven't gone and seen He goes, goes and grabs his coat. Yeah. 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 Then, then he starts walking down the hallways, you know, trying to read this map. And it gets, it gets really confusing. It does. You know, how do you draw a map with locations like, all right, turn here when everything is white? And there are no landmarks. No, no, they're all just random hallways that look exactly the same. Um, as Irving leaves, Helly comes back in and Mark asks how many times she had to read her statement. It was 1,072 times. And then again, and again, she only looks a little disheveled. Yeah. Um, she has some, like her uh, mascara ran a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, hair's a little messed up. Not a lot. No, you can tell she's off, but she is not, like you said, been, brainwashed or willing to submit to whatever her mental is. fortitude is impeccable yeah she's she's pretty impressive uh, a tourist for sure her any is quite impressive uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so mark tries to stop dylan and heli talking about the break room Meanwhile, Irving arrives at O&D and sees Felicia. And I think it's kind of interesting. Felicia isn't necessarily as hostile as Dylan, but she certainly is not cool with Bert and Irving's friendship, right? Definitely like reserve and just like not willing to Mm -hmm. give off anything. Yeah. Um, 
Irving tells Bert he cried over the youthful convalescence of Kier, which it was only up for a month, but what a month it was. And let's talk about this department real quick. Yes. Optics and design. Mm-hmm. When you first heard it, what, what did you think? I thought, like, I don't know, like, lenses or something. And making frames. Yeah, that I, that is kind of what it first calls to. Because, you know, or just, or something, I don't know, something a little more, uh, I don't say nefarious, but a little more mysterious. There yeah, we go. And then, like aesthetic engineering. Yeah, just making are they are they making pictures? Or they are not making the art. Are they just putting the frames? I they because like he mentions when they get new art, um, I think it comes in and they kind of rotate it. It seems like they have a schedule for how when they display art in different places, and sometimes it's out of commission, sometimes it's back up. It's so they run them. So Lumen is also the seventh floor is also a art gallery museum yeah and it seems like all the art is egan or lumen specific yeah it definitely has like this manifest destiny kind of like art style to it you know what i mean yes we're taking the west uh yeah irving mentions that like it's so much to remember all of this seems like how could two people do this job um just you know pushing around a cart hanging up front like right pictures. how does it ever stop because we don't you know we have no idea how big the severed floor is True. yeah and they're just non-stop i mean not just the logistics of this but the actual time and labor it takes <laughs> uh so that's an interesting up- uh, question for later in the episode that gets answered and the whole time they're having this conversation it is it, there's this charge in the air yeah you know, absolutely electricity you, you feel this like i don't want to say it's sexual but there's definitely like this connection between mm-hmm. them that's building throughout this whole conversation yeah and eventually uh you know they they're clearly both aware of it and bert grabs irving's hand uh and irving doesn't he doesn't immediately like pull back but he does after a second and then like kind of nervously takes off uh, asks what's the time yeah and then they adapts this weird accent <laughs> a voice we haven't heard from irving but i can't even do it but it was not like his voice uh that we've heard the rest of the time on his way back to mdr he sees the uur uh, i guess milchick left it in the conference room oh sorry i thought that was another abbreviation for something i'm like we got the mdr the uh, o and d and the so, uur yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, that's the, the book U-U-R. yes <laughs> fuck uh, yeah because i can't keep saying macrodata refined fuck reckon this wizard looking <laughs> motherfucker um heli finds Petey's map and it's her and mark really get into it here it's very interesting um because mark's like making the case that the map is nonsense and these houses he's definitely he's downplaying the significance and importance of what that is yeah and heli says it could be a thing you don't know which is kind of something that we've had to acknowledge when discussing this show like it could be anything Mm -hmm. um we don't know yeah neither do they but the show definitely like puts it out there that this, this piece of paper is important yes um it, it's playing with that for sure um Helly tells mark off and says she doesn't want to be his family with a did she say a razor blade to my throat i could give a shit about being your family um uh, something super cold-blooded and foreshadowing for sure yes <laughs> and then mark shreds the map he says you know what you're right Helly. i don't give a shit about this and the I, the worst we've seen marks any at least i would say right stone cold eyes yeah, he's he's being an asshole tell <laughs> right here but i mean i guess we talked about a little bit in the episode in the last episode she's causing so much stuff at this point at work for him and because like he want he's fine with like yeah he's like not happy there right but He's come to terms with his yes, existence. Yes, he, he, he's fine with pushing the pencil, keeping the status quo, and she is not. No. No uh, matter what they do, she is not with being there. Right. Um, 
And we, you know, the resignation request, like we said, that seems standard and getting rejected. But her, like you said, her mental fortitude, um, I can't imagine the lengths she goes to in this episode are common things they experience because they don't seem to be prepared for it. Um, <laughs> the next thing is. Oh, well, Irving first comes in, tells Mark and Dylan there's an emergency, and then they debate what to do with Rickon's book. Just to think, okay, hold on. Let's think about this for a second. Yeah. The fact that they're considering this fucking book by this guy, contraband. Like, me and you, or just anybody with just common sense would be like, oh, this book is just some bullshit self-help, like, wizard book. Right. Like, even the book itself is, like, the cover of it is, like, this flamey background. It's got that the red glow behind it. Yeah, and just, like, it's just, it looks bad. It, yeah, it looks ridiculous. You would not pay the twelve ninety nine that's listed for on the Target shelves. Uh, this is, I don't know, it's a hardback. It might be 24. That one, yes. This is the initial print copy, too. First edition. <laughs> uh, we will get into it more a little bit later because um, Mark starts to read it and react to it. So there's some interesting stuff and in how they perceive it. But yeah, it's, you know, contraband because this is, it would seem like the first time these beings, their innies, have ever seen an outside text. Yes. Um, and it's shocking to them. They don't know what to do with it. But meanwhile, Helly finds a paper cutter, and she knows what to do with that. Takes it straight to Miss Coble. Well, see, <laughs> and my, my, first initial, my first impression of this was, yeah. reaction was, I thought she was going to like, and these are like paper cutter. Let's, let's put this in the uh, frame a little bit here. Mm-hmm. This is one of those big office paper yeah, cutters cut with like 100 pieces of paper at a time. With like that giant like blade that you pull mm-hmm. down, but I thought she was going to unscrew it and like wield it like a machete. Okay, I was not expecting her to hoist it around and like threaten her fingers. Yeah, it's pretty badass. It honestly, is honestly um, that she had that thought. She and... goes right into Miss Coble's office and mm-hmm. like I want a motherfucking record uh, video camera. Yeah, I'd say Coble handles it really well because I mean like she's. She knows there's no way she can really win this. Um, so she she gives Helly what she wants, lets Milchik, you know, bring out the camera. She makes her resignation request, uh, and I, she walks out once again. Well, and and yeah. the fucking video, uh, the recording, the quality is very reminiscent of, like... 90s home films, home videos. I, I, I was going to go more like... A terrorist video, you know, like <laughs> a demand. Yeah, like we're like, video. Yeah, it's like akin to like something you would see from like Osama bin Laden in the early two thousands, like that kind of video camera quality. Out of his cave. Yeah. Um, so she is once again, you know, very sure that her resignation request is going to work, and she says to Mark before she gets on the elevator, "I guess this is the part where I should tell you to go to hell, but you're already here." Um, which this is, you know, which would have been badass, but what if happened? That worked, <laughs> but unfortunately, it didn't because the next thing that LAR experiences is opening back up with the severed floor. And she doesn't have a reaction that I would have had, you know? Yeah. She was just kind of like, okay. Yeah, she's so defeated. I, I, mean, I, I would have, like, I don't know, I would have, like, charged them or something. I would have, I think I would have had a way more harsh reaction than just being like okay yeah because it's just like it seems like she's at the end of a rope how much further can you go and it's just nothing is working for her she gets her the first resignation request was just denied uh she didn't get any explanation about it um but with this one her audi does respond and we get the film recording of that and we will talk about that when we come back from a quick break and we're back uh and so we do get heli's audi's response here and 
this is the coldest we've seen anybody in the show. Probably. Boy, she was brutal. Like, did not give a shit. No. Uh, she says, you got to accept this. She says, I am a person. You are not. I make the decisions. You do not. Which is bullshit, though. Think about this. Because even, like, regardless of what happens down the line from this episode, right. my initial reaction was, that's, no, not really, because y'all are tethered. Yes. Y'all y'all share the same body. Mm-hmm. She just y'all she just doesn't know what's out there. Right. Like Yeah, the person comment is certainly subjective and I think a big question in the show, but the decisions I she <laughs> she does make the decisions. And I it's just so tough to see Helly be in the situation. Um where she feels so passionately this way and this other part of herself that she has no control over, no say over, just refuses. To and she, she doesn't see how the same, how she doesn't see that on yeah. the outside. She continually thinks her Audi will care enough uh, that she'll let her out. And this makes it very clear that's not going to be a situation. So back on the outside, Audi Mark is reviewing birthing cabins. <laughs> Any thoughts on the concept of a birthing cabin? Yes, actually. I <laughs> mainly because I <laughs> I don't want to say I feel strongly about this, but I don't I don't know the whole natural at home birthing. Mm-hmm. I just don't really see the you are not a believer. I'm not a believer in that, you know. Okay. It's it's 2023. That'd be 2024. We got we got hospitals for a reason, people. Come on. And plus, like, that's a cleanup, right? You know, like, like I understand they probably perfected this technique, but it should always goes wrong. Oh my goodness, a cleanup! Like, God forbid, a little bit of. The blood or whatever. I've never had a child. After never, birth. After, there we go. After birth. Gets on the carpet. How do you explain that one? You, 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 know, you host a wine party. You come over and there's a giant stain. What do you say? Oh, yeah. That's where little Johnny was born. I will try not to enter the fray here because uh, I am not... An, an expert, certainly, and I don't want to put anybody off. You know, people are free to make their own decisions. Oh, yes, for sure. It would be a scary thing for me. I certainly, and you know. Yeah, because if something medical goes wrong, you're at home and not at yeah, a hospital. That's the whole deal. Um, and I mean, of course. Childbirth is scary, bro. Right. Um, I will say, you know, as two men, um, we are lacking perspective exactly. on this subject. Yeah, no. Um, and, and we can't get pregnant here. Yeah, uh, that's right. And, you know, ladies, that's your call, ultimately. Um, Much for, respect. <laughs> that's right. For me, yeah, it, it would be a scary situation. Um, so I I don't think it would work for us. Um, but, I mean, you know, if that's how people want to do it. Go ahead. And if there's, I, you know, a birthing cabin, I guess, would be better than at home specifically. But, you know, cabin implies in the mountains, no cell reception. Yeah, I, I guess that's the question. Do they have, like, midwife support? Are you expected to have your own? Or all the floors hardwood? <laughs> Sorry. That last one. <laughs> he can't help himself. All right. So, anyway, moving on from the birthing cabins. Uh, there's a story that comes out in the, what's that, the Keir Journal or something? Yeah. Right? It, look, it looks like they were trying to do, like, uh, New York Times or... A yeah, Wall Street Journal but kind it's of owned by the Egan's. The propaganda, everything is. Uh, it seems like everything is a uh, state spot or like uh, subsidized out. Yeah, the companies. Yeah, exactly. They own everything now. It's you know like Bezos owning the Washington Post. Um, and so the phone starts ringing instantly as Mark gets this push notification about Petey's death. Uh, it says former lumen worker dies from. Uh, mysterious illness or yeah uh, collapses and dies it certainly doesn't say like anything about you know reintegration
integration, but it's it does, definitely meant as an article that you just look over and right. go to the next one. Yeah. Um, so back at the office, Coble and Grainer are having a tense conversation and they discuss needing to get Petey's chip out before he is cremated. Um, which at, which at first listen is like, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and later on, we, we see the whole process and you're like, wow, that's actually pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is just like it sounded. Um, you know, there's no clean extraction. You drill a hole, you take it out. And Miss Selvig, who meets Mark at the ceremony, this is interesting. Uh, they talk for a little while. She meets Pete's daughter, and which how does she know uh, Pete again? What was alive? Uh, he I, used to come into her shop. She lo- he loved her hibiscus wraps. Like what kind of bougie? <laughs> Pete does not appear to be someone who would partake in hibiscus wraps, but that's just me. You know, I don't. What is a hibiscus wrap? That's a good question. Isn't now, it? Aren't hibiscus plants? They like, are like flowers. Yeah, yes, they are. Um, so is it like a wrap of flowers or do well, they like, see, that's what it sounds like. And or do they like mill it down? And... It doesn't sound like she's, it doesn't seem like she's serving food, but hibiscus wrap sounds almost like some kind of hibiscus infused burrito concoction <laughs> with chicken and a, a celery mix. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is some of that bougie high dining shit, I guess. I I mean, there's there's going to be some florist who's listening to this just seething because a hibiscus wrap is one of the most popular things in America or something. So once again, sorry for our ignorance. Uh, but we do get to see Selvig efficiently extracting the chip. Um, like wow. just turns the corpse's head to the like to the oh. left and just goes in with a drill just straight to the side of the head. Yeah. So much like, of this stuff. I was surprised because that was really the first time in the show they, I don't say, it wasn't like graphic. It wasn't like blood or anything, mm-hmm. but something that heavy. And you know it what I mean? It showed the hole in his head. Yeah. It, yeah. It didn't romanticize it at all. It was very like, this is the procedure. Yeah. Uh, and that's the first time in the show that they, I feel like they really go graphic. This is definitely the most graphic thing they've shown. Yeah. I would say so. Um, while she's doing that, a video of Petey and his daughter uh, playing Inner Sandman is being played. Very sweet, you know. It is. It's really nice. Uh, Mark can't take it up to a point and walks out of the ceremony. He starts having visions of Petey. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. It kind of, I mean, certainly it's not the same because he hadn't been reintegrated, but it comes off very similarly to Petey splitting that we were seeing in the last episode. Like it was having an like it was having a actual effect, physical effect on. Yeah, um, but so he and Miss Selvig leave the funeral after. Well, he goes in to look at the bot, like uh, pay his last respects. Yeah. I guess it sees that it's closed, and then Miss Selvig obviously <laughs> pops up out of nowhere. What timing? Uh, but, so instead, like he puts his key in the door of his house, but then takes it out and goes to what seems to be the site of Gemma's car crash. And, it, you know, this is rough to watch, but it also seems like Mark is finally dealing with his emotions somewhat. Right. Yeah, like the death of Pete's helping him yeah, with he, the death of his wife. Yeah, he's realizing, I, you know, I got to deal with this well also is uh the daughter said something very interesting to him at the funeral like what don't you think it's uh do you think it's good to handle your problem by turning your fucking brain yeah, off shutting your brain off half the time yeah she's clearly not a fan of and, and then mark says i don't really know mm-hmm. yeah no and i did also skip he he meets pete's ex-wife and she said so you didn't even really know him at all uh which is another fucking jab like yeah but like also is she even really right though yeah well i mean clearly not because he doesn't disclose this and he shouldn't it's not something you would talk about in the situation but he did meet pete on the outside recently um 
Well, but yeah, even then, but like just looking at it from the point of like the aliens, yeah, are actually conscious mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Well, this is again getting into the philosophical, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is the underlying deal with this show. Uh, so that's going to continue to pop up in these conversations. I don't know, man. Free the innies. Innies are people. That's right. Innies are people too. Uh, so after you know, kind of breaking down at that uh, side of the car crash, we go back and. Coble gets Milchick to take the chip up to diagnostics, and she calls in Miss Casey and asks her to do a wellness check on yeah. Mark. And uh, when they bring the uh, chip back, Milchick uh, says, "That's Petey," <laughs> as as if the chip is what contains all his of soul. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's Petey down here, I guess, but but it just is the severance chip, so that's a little confusing. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just a show driving home the point of how it's supposed to how the chip is supposed to work is that they are totally a different person. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Irving is seeking out Bird again, and is Irving ever going to do any number sorting? <laughs> I, he's just trying to because find Bird. Crush. I'm saying, uh, and Bert does ask him to go around to the rest of his four stops with him. Uh, they discuss their favorite parts of the handbook, which is kind of like the Egan Lumen Bible, I guess. We haven't talked about it really, but yeah, because they're in a cult. Yeah, like right. it's a, it's like a it's like a dystopian cult. Yeah, it, it, they aren't really aware of it, but they are. Yeah. Uh, so then we see we didn't. Earlier on in the episode, they don't show us what they decide to do with the book, but then we see any Mark reading the book in the bathroom, and the general platitudes in it are coming off like Plato to Mark because every idea is a new idea, right? Yeah, he and he already like he's not a believer like Irving is, and uh, definitely hears like writings and everything. Right. Like he's just like, all right, whatever. I'm just here to yeah look at these imaginary numbers yeah like i said push pencils yeah put numbers in boxes um so this is kind of drink the kool-aid to keep the cult theme going right um so this is everything gets kind of intercut here as well so dylan finds the book he's reading it like in a voiceover narration after heli leaves for the day but she takes an extension cord with her um Meanwhile, Miss Casey lights the candle that was stolen in her meeting with Mark. Which is very weird. What, like, what, like, what, what's the importance of that candle? Yes. You know? Is it supposed to, like, bring back, like, subconsciously a thing from the outside to get him to feel, like, what's going on and how he's, like, kind of like hypnosis in a way, you know what I mean? Yes, and there's a question over whether it works if that's the case because he's you know he's sculpting that clay and he sculpts it into a tree which would seem to be connecting a, the tree to the outside that killed his wife right exactly that's coming through to his any it's just in there mm-hmm. you know he doesn't know why or what it's about but it bleeds through you carry it down there with you like Petey said and, and, and it almost makes you wonder, like, if this, like, is new, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, new news, like, breaking news to, like, the people who are engineers of the chip, you know? Right. That, like, maybe the chip doesn't completely block the outside consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's still a part of them that, deep down, like, the soul of a person, maybe. Right. You can't fully sever that out, mm-hmm. it would seem. Um so while that's going on, Irving, you know, leaves Bert and he's just floating around the halls. But then like he looks back and into O and D and sees a ton of employees. Got like eight ATM looking machines, right? Yeah. And this is this is an O and D which we have been led to believe was a two person department. 
hanging up pictures. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> what, what's, what's the optics part? Yeah, what's going on, guys? Lots of questions being raised. Uh, but so that's. Oh, go ahead. And then again, like, obviously, they're going to put it at the end of the episode. Yeah. You know? uh, you're just raising the questions, not going to answer them yet. Uh, but while that is going on, Heli, with her extension cord surge protector in hand, grabs a trash can, hops into the elevator, and, you know, you can put two and two together there. She hops up on the can, ties the cord around the top, and kicks then, the can. And all we're left with are feet and this, the scene ends. Yeah. Um, a cliffhanger ending for what happened to Heli there. Uh, the end of the episode. Which I was bummed, you know. I was really wanting to know why Heli was there. Right. I mean, maybe it goes on in the later season. I don't know. Don't ruin that for me. Yeah, Theo Vaughn here. What? And Sorry. I spelled his name. Really? Well, Theo uh, Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're watching College Game Day in the background. Yeah, and Theo Vaughn popped up. Uh, but, you know, like... I don't know, like, I'm not, not knock towards the show, but I was really looking forward to why he was there, like, why she was there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we get that with Petey, too. Yeah. Because what we got from Petey's life is that he was happy. I mean, I don't know, in the video, he didn't seem, like, overly ecstatic like his daughter was. Right. But it seemed to be a very wholesome moment, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. He was having a good time. I just hope that we get more of that background. Right, because the only person who we know why is Mark. Um, and it's it's just interesting to consider the reasons other people may have done this as well. Um, so I guess the first thing we need to do here is give out a rating for the episode. Where, where are you at with this one? I am going to give this the highest rating so far from myself. This was my favorite episode so far, definitely because a lot more stuff is going on. I don't say answers, but a lot more questions are being raised. It's mm-hmm. not so much scene building and world building. Mm-hmm. I'll say a nine. A nine. Okay. High rating there. Yeah, I I can't remember. I feel like this is the highest on the rate one. 8.7. Um, oddly specific okay <laughs> i like i like the i like the decimals um because you know there's got to be some separation yeah you know you got some gas yeah, deviation um but yeah definitely the highest i would rate one uh, that we've seen so far they continue to get better every week and to continue to raise more questions like you said um this episode it, i felt like the funeral scene was Maybe a little too long would be my only complaint, but otherwise, they accomplish a lot, and things just keep getting more and more strange. So, our collective scoring for this would be an 8.85. Okay, yeah, pretty good. Um, Worthy television viewing. That's right. Uh, and then our Lil Ray Ray's double take of the day, what made you stop and look back at it? <sighs> Definitely the heli scene. That, that, yeah, okay. it was definitely the uh, building up to it was the uh, cord scene that I was like, like her grabbing the cord and leading up to it. Mm-hmm. That was definitely the part for me. It was just it definitely held you by the seat. Like what's going on was like, like, because you kind of I don't want to say for everybody, but for me, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, because my first is like, I don't say I thought that immediately, but. It's hard not to when you see like a cord and what she's been going through to be like, this is, is obviously not going to end well. Right. Um, and so we'll have to see the conclusion of that. Uh, we do, I got a new feature we want to try out this week and we'll see how it goes and maybe continue to remember to do it. The NBC of the episode, most valuable character judged by our own subjective standards. Who was the most valuable character for you in this episode? Dylan. Dylan. The reason why is mainly because it needed he needed to be in this episode for some comedic relief, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Definitely a heavier episode, mm-hmm. a faster paced episode. So I feel like he was needed just to kind of like power cleanser, you know? I gotcha. Yeah, I get that. And I think you can make the case for him on that basis every week, really. <laughs> uh he, for me, I'm going to go Heli, 
and primarily because of her reaction to finding the map and her kind of verbal assault of Mark there, uh, telling him stuff he needed to hear. And he didn't react to it well in that moment, but I think it, I think it landed with him. Yeah, definitely. For sure. It's her, her saying that stuff pushed the envelope yeah. and made him, your friend left this for you and you don't give a shit. De- definitely a, uh, character arc moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, got a lot of love for Helen in this episode. Did you have any other thoughts? No, I mean, like I said, I'm just I'm hoping they dive more into backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I'm excited to watch the next episode. Just leaving off with all those cliffhangers, I, it's it's picking up. Yes. I'm definitely excited for this. I want to say I was drudging along mm-hmm. watching the first couple episodes, but they definitely weren't as engaging and exciting as this. Yeah, it's it was a slow burn to start, and it starts to pick up here. Um, and we're four episodes through, so that leaves us five, six, seven, eight, nine. We got five episodes to go oh, here. So we still have a good bit left. Yeah, we're not quite halfway done. Man, uh, hopefully with this rider strike being over, and hopefully mm-hmm. we can get away from these mini series episodes. You know, yeah. I want some twenty-seven episode season. You want viewing. the old school NBC sitcom order? Yeah, like, and not every episode has to be a banger. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with just like a, a what's it called a glass bottle episode, um, a bottle episode, bottle episode. Yeah, like I'm fine with a couple of those. Give me some seasonal episodes, like a Christmas episode. Yeah. I don't know. I just miss easy viewing TV. Some you know, like I don't yeah. think everything needs to be high octane. Mm. Well, we you know I talk about it all the time. Um, growing up, being a huge fan of NBC's Thursday night comedy done right lineup when you had Thirty Rock. Parks and Rec, The Office, and even though I didn't watch it at the time, I have come to become a huge fan of it, Community. Mm-hmm. Those four shows playing on one night on one network every week was, it didn't seem like a big deal to me at the time, but that does not exist now. There are no shows like that on network television. Yeah. Um, because they, I mean, they do have shows still that have 20, 30 episode seasons, they're just not very good quality. Well, a lot of them are soap opera, you know? <laughs> yes. Like, most. the um, world needs some laughter, people. That's All right? right? We do need so some laughs. So my message for this episode, if you don't walk away with anything else, laugh a little bit more. Yeah. The world's okay. Yeah. And uh, maybe you can take Dylan along for the ride on that because he brings the laughs. Uh, but I think... I think we're good to go here for the episode. Uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Do you have anything else? I think we're all good. Okay. Well, uh, this episode was recorded live. Uh, I'm E.T. Dubs. It's been your boy, Mundo. And we'd like you all to drive home safely and have a great rest of your weekend.